There is such a great variety of options in the book of mass readings known as the lectionary that sometimes the priest does not know what to choose from, the selection being so abundant. For today's Mass, I've used the options provided in what is designated as Year C, because they give me an inroad to the theme I want to exposit on this Feast of the Holy Family. It is the first scripture that caught my attention especially, Here, Hannah makes of her son Samuel an offering to the Lord. I give him to the Lord as long as he lives. He shall be dedicated to the Lord. The practice of dedicating a child to the Lord has carried over into the church, though it's an optional thing by mothers after the baptism of their child. In fact, the rite of baptism has a brief note appended to it which recommends this practice through the Virgin Mary. But it doesn't give a description of how this ritual might be done. It would form, in effect, an act of thanksgiving to God for the precious gift of this newborn life. Yet even apart from this laudable, if little observed, custom, there is the broader idea of vocation. From the time of birth, and indeed from before all time, God has called, or as we say even better, elected, chosen, or predestined us to be holy people, be Christians, joined to Christ in the membership of his body, the Holy Catholic Church, a privileged belonging, which for reasons of his own he has not accorded to everyone. The overarching view of Christian life, then, is to see that God has had a purpose in calling us into being in creating us. We have been granted fellowship with the saints in a union with God by means of the incarnation of Christ. Taking the long view, we see that God came into this world to be born of Mary at Bethlehem in order to extend himself into the world, so to speak, taking human form so as to be able to absolve our alienating sinfulness, to connect mankind to himself, and so elevate our nature with the divine, godly aspect. In the Christian life, we have then something that's far more lofty than the mere dedication of a child to the Lord, as was done in the Old Testament. We have incorporation into Christ, being grafted onto him, which makes us, like Christ, children of God. 
And here we see the relevance of the Feast of the Holy Family for us in that every Christian family of baptized persons forms a holy family by being related to Christ through membership in the church. This is the highest sense of vocation that's possible. And it's universal. God wills all to be saints, to share in the patrimony of Christ, which is to say, to share in the eternal life of God. It is within this broad and marvelous context of incorporation that we ought to regard the more narrow sense of our life's vocation. When a child is born, the question must always arise, what will this child become? We look for early signs of dispositions, hints of habit, physical characteristics, talents concealed in the movements of the little child that may give some clue as to what the future may hold for him. And thus, we wonder whether the child will be married, will become a priest or a religious, or perhaps remain single without a religious vocation. While we may be sure that God has foreseen the entire life of each human person, yet it would be incorrect to think that discerning a life's calling is merely a matter of trying to figure out what God wants. There's the positive informing aspect to our lives, that part that depends on our willful direction, on our personal input. This is also a necessary constituent of a life's vocation. It is here that the consideration of the ambience, the context of a good Catholic home is so essential for the good outcome of a person's future life. This is something that must be made to happen by us with the help of God's grace, surely. In other words, the success of what we call a good life is dependent in no small degree on how parents, siblings, relatives, teachers, friends, associates affect the course and the development of a person's life. This much may be safely asserted. A bad outcome of a life is highly probable where there's lacking the steady support and guidance of a good Catholic environment. To say it another way, holy families are made and do not merely happen by a stroke of good fortune. Our homes and our relations within the home are meant to be as Pope Paul VI called it, a school for the formation of a good and holy life. 
the Holy Family of Nazareth is taken to be a model for our families. Well, these three persons cannot in many ways be imitated, yet their supreme status as divine and uniquely graced persons did not exempt them from cultivating those good habits of acting and speaking, which we call virtues. We ought to be in wonder over the obedience of the Son of God to his human parents, as this gospel assures us was the case. We should also be much edified by the humility of God's greatest creation, Holy Mary, who was in submission to Joseph, a great and holy man indeed, but certainly inferior to her in grace. Similarly, we must be admiring of the labors of St. Joseph as a common carpenter when his family's exceptional status would indicate a royal dignity that would exclude such commonality. But it is this very simplicity, this lowliness of the persons of this family, which makes emulation of their way of living possible for everybody. They do not rely on prestige and position, but they conform to simple and humble roles for the very reason that they can be and should be emulated. There is then a providential design in the way that God chose to come into this world and to live in a human context. While there are no persons greater than these three, there are also none among us who can claim that his life is more difficult or has more hardship or suffering than that of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Here the gospel principle has its highest exemplar. The least is the greatest. A saying that we instinctively want to invert. He who wishes to be the greatest among you must become the last and the servant of all. Everybody has the vocation to holiness, the call to sainthood. Among saints, there are none greater than these three persons of the Holy Family. St. John's first epistle reading to us today is a reminder that God's love was bestowed upon us exceedingly in making us children of God. Of this we can never be in doubt. We ought to reproach ourselves, not for our miseries of life, our limitations, our proverbial crosses, but solely for our recalcitrant behavior as self-willed, wayward children of God's family. We ought to reproach ourselves for disobedience to our parents when we were young and disrespect. 
for our quarreling with our siblings and our rivalries, for being a source of discord and contention in our home, so much unlike the Holy Family. We have been made members of God's family. We, unworthy, have been made members by God's unfathomable decree. Holy Family Day should move us to gratitude for our blessings as Catholics and to shame us for our lack of cooperation with that eternal plan of God, that great vocation, by which God has set us apart to be his holy children. The meaning of Christmas is unveiled as more than a historical event. It changed our status from being on the outside to belonging to God's holy family through our incorporation into Christ's body. Pray then to be faithful to this vocation to holiness. Holiness.